You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body.io FM with your hosts, Andrea Jangle and Alex Navarro. Hey, Alex. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? <laughs> very good. Very good. Still kind of giggling about what, don't <laughs> what we were talking we're about both before. Like, we're both tired. <laughs> we both traveled over the weekends. We're like, this is, mm-hmm. is going to be a forced Q&A episode. <laughs> and we were giggling about... Um, Practical answers to questions that we get all the time. So I guess what we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna start off by, by introducing the show, which would be a, you know the best first step is that this is a mini Q and A. So it might only be a half hour, but we felt that there's a lot of the same questions coming in through Facebook and through personal messenger. We can't go answer every single question. We're gonna kind of explain why, and we're gonna kind of rant about the things that we can go on about. So we were just talking about something that made us laugh, so we might as well just keep on talking about it, which is people are always concerned about caffeination. Should should I put MCT oil in my coffee, or should I have coffee before I train? And we were talking about some of the real practical answers that people would probably laugh at, but it's kind of the way we make that decision. So Mm -hmm. I was saying that, you know, Someone said to me, well, what's better? Should I have like a caffeine pill or should I have a full cup of coffee before I go in and do my deadlifts or whatever? And I'm like, well, you know, to be honest with you, I don't caffeinate all the time before I train. Once in a while, I do. I have been recently just to see how that goes. And I've kind of been enjoying it. But here's here's kind of how I choose what I'm going to use to caffeinate with. Um, let's say I was going in for like a heavy deadlift day and I'm going to be wearing a belt. Well, if I drank a full cup of coffee before that, I would probably feel like I'm going to pee my pants, which is the last thing anyone wants to do on the gym floor <laughs> or even in your home It's a little distracting. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, it's a little distracting when you're gross. trying to deadlift. So, I mean, it does happen. I've heard horror stories of that happening to people. And so that might be a day where I go have a single shot of espresso or maybe a half caffeine. I can't have a full caffeine pill. I I will get so jittery that I can't even deadlift properly. So um, you just got to play with these things. And sometimes the question is like a really individual, practical answer. It's like, sure, maybe if I was going to go in and do back or something, I could handle a full cup of coffee. But if I was going to deadlift heavy with a belt on, there's no way that that's a good idea for me. So, you know, there's all these wacky variables um, that go into an answer that we could potentially give someone. And like, you have the same scenario when you tumble, right, Alex? Yeah, there's no way flip it. I mean, for anybody who's ever like attempted to jump rope or jump on a trampoline, which I don't know, Many people have jumped on a trampoline recently, but if you have even somewhat of a full bladder, it's not a good idea. Yeah. It's just not a good idea. So having a cup of coffee before I want to go flip around, bad idea. <laughs> bad idea. All around. <laughs> so this is just... So just like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are the things that's like, you know, you have to experiment and understand that, okay, some people might want to caffeinate before their workout for whatever reason. Um, some people might not feel that they need to, and that's fine too, especially if you're training later in the day. Like that's something that's always trumped caffeinating before my workout for me where it's like, sure, potentially 
I could mobilize more body fat. But if it's going to keep me up late at night because I caffeinated, it's counterproductive. It's totally counterproductive. So that's where you have Mm -hmm. to really look at the big picture and say, how how does this decision affect me? Am I going to be up all night? Am I going to pee my pants on the gym floor? Well, then maybe it's not a good decision. <laughs> and, <laughs> and once you do that, you know. Yeah, it's like just, just remember what happened and learn from it. And it either worked or it either was a good idea or it wasn't. And hopefully if it wasn't a good idea, you won't do it again. Yeah, exactly. And things might change week to week, day by day. And maybe mm-hmm. you have like half a cup of coffee and it doesn't keep you up at night. I think, you know, just... Not that we're talking about the science of caffeine or anything like that, but in general, if you're someone that feels that you need to caffeinate before you work out all the time, that to me is a little bit of a red flag. Um, yes, agreed. So, and that could agreed. be anything to like that could even come down to your meal timing and like maybe you're just not having enough calories before you work out. It could be a sleep issue. It could be a variety of things. So, the only red flag there would be if you feel like you cannot do your allotted training schedule without caffeine, well, then that's something to address. Um, that would be exactly. the only thing There's that something I, else going on. Yeah, there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really all I got to say about caffeine. I right, just wanted to tie just, that it, in. <laughs> and it's just a good example of, you know, the kinds of questions that we get that the questions are pretty straightforward. But there's, again, there's too many factors that come into play to be able to offer somebody an easy answer like that when someone does send us a message on Facebook or a direct message when they just want to, they think that they're just asking a simple question. And while it might seem that way, there's too much coming into play to be able to just throw something out out there. Right. And to answer someone by email or like through Facebook, and that's why I like the podcast because we get to speak freely. If you were to ask someone like, well, if you're, what kind of workout are you going into? Do you feel you can have that much coffee? Like that would seem kind of crazy. It would seem like we're like picking apart something crazy, not trying to get across the practical aspect of it. So it's nice Mm -hmm. to be able to talk about it. So there we go. That's our whole thing on, you know, when we caffeinate, how we caffeinate. Um, there's a lot more we could get into, but like you said, just talking about a simple question can have a complicated answer. Mm -hmm. Um, so we actually have some questions here from a client of mine, actually. She sent me some questions and she's been following Kiefer and Body.io and her body for a, a while now. And they are very common questions that we get. And so we'll just go through some of them and we'll just see where the conversation goes. And hopefully we can answer uh, questions for all you guys because they seem to be pretty repetitive. So dairy, let's talk about dairy. Now, in my experience, I have found that people who overconsume dairy, sometimes that will stall fat loss results. Do you find that, Alex? Yes, very often. Okay. So very often. I find, and you know, when I was working with clients trying to understand why the choice was dairy all the time, it's a really simple way that they felt that they were getting in like a, a good ratio of protein to fat uh, in a meal. It's but easy. It's exactly. It's convenient, easy. And they looked at the macros and they were like, you know, it's, it's, it's good for what my goals are. So, you know, then there's some controversy about, well, maybe it's the insulin spike from the lactose that could be causing stalls. I don't really necessarily think it could be that. I mean, if someone's just eating a lot of dairy, um, mm-hmm. but I just don't think it's a good fat source. Like the way I look at dairy to me is it's a condiment for flavor. So just as I was like to add some like ranch dressing to something, like I, that's how I approach my dairy consumption as far as mm-hmm. cheeses. What about you, Alex? 
same thing, mm-hmm. same thing. It's more of a garnish to whatever else I might be having, but it's not my primary source of either fat or protein in, in any given meal. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, first thing in the morning, I have my coffee with heavy whipped cream. Um, I'm a one tablespoon of heavy whipped cream girl. <laughs> that That's me. <laughs> uh, when I'm out and about and traveling and I have to replace calories because I don't have food readily available all the time, then I'll put a lot more cream in my coffee to compensate there. But um, Agreed. Yeah, as far as the, the dairy thing, <laughs> my personal experience with dairy is, number one, it makes me break out. It's the casing content and a lot of the cheese that I like. Yeah. That I, I just don't eat it because it makes me break out. Um, and I get a really obvious kind of breakout. It's like 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 white little bumps that I'll get. Oh, mine are way worse than that. I'm. I wish I got the white little ones. Well, they I used get, like, to. The mine used to. You get like the more like cystic kind of. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's yeah. painful. Uh-huh. And especially, do you find like when you're eating casing too, like during certain, um, and then the hormone cycle on top of that, it's just. Oh yes. Brutal combination. It's a disaster. It makes me not want to leave the house. Yep. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> no, I hear you. I. So here's something for the listeners to know about me, AJ, fun fact. I used to have massive problems with acne. One of the only pre- prescription drugs I've ever taken in my life was actually Accutane, which is crazy because I don't even Oh, wow. Take, that's intense stuff. Yeah. I won't even take a Tylenol when I have a headache, but I was basically at the point in my life years ago where it was becoming such an issue for me socially and it, I just was like, I'd never want to go out in public. So I took Accutane. Would I do it again? In all honesty, yeah, actually, I probably would because it really did change my life, and I had tried everything else. So, right. yeah, the acne thing when you you know when you've lived through something like that, it's um, for me eating dairy is almost not worth it because of that. <laughs> but, Completely agreed. But I'll give you my butt. <laughs> In the scenario when I'm carb backloading and my main priority is to put on muscle mass. Dairy is for me is like one of the most anabolic foods that I can carb backload with. So I can try like safe safe starches. I'm just throwing out names that people use, not necessarily names that I like to use, but like rices and sweet potatoes, or I could go like the junky carbs. When I go like ice cream, cereal, and that kind of stuff, like anything dairy for me in that post workout window, like I think it's just so significant and obvious how well it works for me. So in that scenario, I will actually incorporate some dairy into my diet just for for gains. (laughs) Right. And therefore, you're using it for gains. You're not using it for fat loss results. So I think that's important to to mention. Exactly. That for someone who's looking, most of the people who are asking about are looking for fat loss. Yeah. So you're using it for something different. So just to keep that in mind. Yeah. And when you find a food like that for you, that really helps with your gains. It sounds like so bro science with your gains. But if, <laughs> like for me, dairy does that. And you can you can pull up anything on Google if you want to dairy that or sorry, Google search the anabolic effects of dairy. It's the, the way in casein content in the dairy. But like if I had a food that was so obviously anabolic for me, I would not put it throughout my ultra low carb portion of the day. Or if I was, you know, my main goal was fat loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so I that's just my experience. Like, and and honestly, when I'm trying to put on size in a short period of time, it's kind of worth the zits. <laughs> 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 it's just like everything's a trade off, right? <laughs> Exactly. Very true. My shoulders look awesome, but I have some acne. (laughs) 
So I mean, that's that's a good point. Just I'm just gonna mention it really fast. Same thing for alcohol. Okay. Is I actually love the way I look the next day after I drink alcohol, whether it's a carb night or a low carb day. Probably just because I'm a little dehydrated, but I, I I'm tight. My veins are popping out. I feel like I just look awesome. Yeah. But then, depending on how much I had, side note, <laughs> two days later, <laughs> I'm soft. Yeah. So it's like, okay, what do I want to look good for the day? Maybe I can time it right if I have an event or something I'm trying to do, um, you know, even competing, making myself look good for a specific day, but understanding that a few days down the road, you know, whether it's I'm holding extra water or pimples come, I'm willing to accept that yeah, and deal with it. And once you start experimenting with things, you'll find those little patterns. And once you know what the trade-off is, you just basically have to decide, is it worth it? And exactly. in some scenarios, like and it's not the end of the world. No, because guess what? If you eat a bunch of dairy in a week and you, it flares up your skin, then eliminate it next week and see if it, it works. Like before I got married, I was actually doing German volume training and the dairy for me was like key. But then like three weeks leading up to the wedding, I didn't want any acne for my wedding pictures, even though we, we like, we eloped and there's not really many wedding pictures to go around, but <laughs> I, just didn't, I didn't want that. And I totally cut out dairy. Um, and it worked like that was just, I just had to do it. It was like, okay, I've used it this mm-hmm. far and it's been an awesome adjunct to my car backloading when I was German volume training, but I wanted clear skin for my wedding. So I eliminated it and it, mm-hmm. it just worked perfectly. So um, you just get to know those things. And then sometimes you just got to realize that not every week and not every day is always going to be the same. And sometimes you just go these little, through these little phases and you experiment with stuff and you learn stuff and you've just got another tool in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. More tools. Yeah. And I've been eating dairy again and, uh, well, I was actually going to just completely cut it out, even cut out whey protein, but mm-hmm. I'm just adding it for a little bit longer and I'm like, yeah, my skin will flare up a little bit. And then I'm going to actually going to go without whey protein, I'm going to switch to pea protein. And I'm going to see, mm. I'm just going to kind of see how, how much of a difference that makes and how clear I can get my mm. skin. <laughs> I, I experimented with that a little bit as well. And I, I went to egg white protein. Um, and I didn't, I didn't notice whey isn't an issue for me. It's mostly the casein. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really notice too much of a difference in terms of like a results and B if my if that made a difference in my skin, but I did find that I do not like egg protein. It's no, gross. it is gross, and I've been using a little it's bit of weird. Hemp. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I've been using a little bit of hemp, and that just tastes like dirt. No matter what is in it, it just it's dirt, and that's fine. Um, I just honestly bought it because it was on sale. But I will say that right off the bat, I had a couple of shakes last week that were uh, hemp protein and I had carb shock and I had almond milk and what else did I have in it? Well, creatine, but um, I had no bloat. So like whey protein will bloat me all the time. But, and I notice it, like I can go the mirror and look like half an hour after I have my whey protein shake, it's obvious. And I was Mm -hmm. pretty intrigued by with the hemp protein, I had no bloat. Like I still look chiseled after like in my gut area after I, I had the shake which just never happens with oh, whey right yeah so we'll see That's what great. happens good with, to know yeah so maybe if you have some competitors that are that might be something if they're experiencing yeah. that because I've had none of that with with hemp protein and I was talking to, to uh, coach Tony too and he was saying the exact same thing happens with him 
or that he's noticed, maybe not with him, but that he's knows that with people. I won't speak on his people. behalf. I can't really remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I don't even know what we're talking Oh, we're talking about dairy. Yeah. So for me, it's just yes. one of those things that it's one of my like anabolic foods. And I just, I treat dairy during the day as uh, a condiment, like you said. Right. Exactly. I actually, garnish. Do, yeah, it's garnish. Exactly. Um, <laughs> And that being said, I, I will say that I have asked people to stop relying on dairy as their main source of fat or protein on ultra low carb days, and it has helped them get through stalls. So that's Great. something that you can Completely. experiment with. And mm -hmm. um, for me, I would just never really put dairy in my breakfast, like other than heavy whipped cream, um, which is not something you need to worry about anyway. It just, even if I was going to have it throughout the day, I would just take it out of my breakfast altogether. Right. And what, and what is it? Is even, it? I mean, that's something that I noticed too in um, just through competing. I was, I was always able to continue having the heavy whipping cream in my coffee in the morning mm -hmm. leading up to a show and it was never problematic. Yeah. So did always you, the other stuff. Did you put, okay, so we'll ask, well, I'll ask you this question because it gets asked all the time. Let's talk about morning training fasted with coffee and what okay. you would put in it if i'm waking up and going right to the gym mm -hmm. i will just do black coffee okay me too especially if it's yeah i mean depending on you know if literally if i'm waking up and then going to the gym black coffee keep it simple mm -hmm. um i just find me gut wise i feel better um if there's like an hour of a wait before i plan on going to the gym i might depending on how I'm feeling appetite-wise. Because sometimes if I sit for like, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, I might get a little rumble in my stomach. Mm -hmm. So I might consider adding a little bit of heavy cream at that point um, just to tie that over. But usually it's rare that that happens. Yeah, and like something small like that, like you're gauging it day, to, day by day. And like I've, I used to train a little bit more in the morning. I actually trained a lot in the morning when I was doing my first big body recomp. Uh, with carb night and carb backloading. I rarely train in the morning now, but I never found anything like that would like make or break or stall me. Correct. And I find people and you, are just, just like you said it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go on. It has a lot to do with like, maybe you had a really early dinner the night before. So you might wake up a little hungrier. So it's just, there's too many other little factors that come into play to be able to have one straight answer. So if you wake up and you're hungry, add a little cream in your coffee. Yeah. Otherwise, go to hit the gym and have have whatever you would normally have before, caffeine-wise, yeah. if you're doing that. Yeah, and you can use some MCT oil or coconut oil if you want. But, I mean, mm -hmm. one thing I was never doing when I was training in the morning, I wasn't putting five tablespoons of heavy whipped cream or coconut oil or whatever in my <laughs> coffee. It was literally just a little bit. Um, and A splash. Yeah, a, a splash. Garnish. Yeah, exactly. A garnish. <laughs> heavy whipped cream. And you brought up an awesome point, which is what time dinner was the night before. Um, I'm really into meal timing, um, not only just to prevent like grazing when people are trying to lean out or, or anything like that, but I'm really into making sure that I don't fast too long. So mm -hmm. if I kind of had an idea of what time I'd be going to the gym in the morning, I would sometimes eat a little bit later at night to make sure that I wasn't fasting way too long. Like I'm talking 10 plus 12 plus hours before I was going to get any post-workout nutrition. So if anyone's worked with me, you will know that I, I always ask people to pay attention to their last meal of the day and what time they eat it, and then their first meal of the day. Because I guess that's another question that people ask 
you know, what if I eat? And they always ask when they eat their first meal. And I'm like, well, that totally depends on when you eat your last meal the night before. Exactly. And that might change day to day. It totally changes day to day. So I don't know. How long do you usually, you know, if you eat, give me an idea, Alex, of where you might gauge that. I like that 10, 12, 12 hour window. Yeah. I'm usually between 10 and 12, yeah. usually around 10 yeah. most days. Yeah. Me too. Mm -hmm. And that would the only time that I might go past that is on the weekend if I happen to sleep really late, yep. which I prefer to do. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> sleep a little bit longer than I like feel like I need to jump out of bed and have a meal. <laughs> oh, I wish I could sleep in. I can't sleep. But I, I honestly, I try. But as soon as the sun's up, I'm up. It's pretty obnoxious. Not oh, all, oh, that is obnoxious. It is. And then my husband must want to kill me. But anyway, I get up and I try to write an article on the weekend, but I'm the same thing. It's that 10, 12 hour windows pushing it for me. And if mm -hmm. for some reason I was going to push it that late, it probably wouldn't be intentionally. It would probably just be because of something to do with my schedule and something got messed up. And I would probably then incorporate MCT oil or coconut oil in my breakfast just to get some immediate energy from those fats. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. That's always an easy go-to. And honestly, I keep, I have found these awesome little individual coconut oil packs. Oh, you did? Online. Oh, yes. I'll send, I'll I'll provide all the information. They're yeah. fabulous cuz it's one serving. It's one tablespoon in each pack and I bought a box of them. So I literally have random packs of coconut oil like in my car, in my purse. I have like my little like travel work bag with my put my computer in. I keep like two in there. So I just have them just in case. Just so in case. Just in case cuz you never know. Mm -hmm. Um I re recommend them for a lot of my clients who travel a lot for work. It's like mm -hmm. just easy go-to. Keep a bunch in your bag mm -hmm. for when for you never know. Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. I've never found a individually packaged um, MCT oil like that, but I do the same thing. People ask me, okay, so this is weird. When I mountain bike, I have this little mason jar, and mason jar was like the only thing I could find that wouldn't ever leak. But I put my my oh, coconut my oil in it. And I have that in my backpack. I know most people have like sugar and trail mix and I have some things like that, like just in case. I mean, you always want to make sure in case you get lost or something like that, that you have <laughs> food supply. But, um, you know, a lot of the time when I'm eating, when I have like a mountain bike ride or whatever they go on and I'm, my rides are like two to three hours, um, I just, I literally open the jar of coconut oil and it actually hasn't been hot enough that it's been liquid. So, and it's usually in my backpack with my like, cooler like my decine pack and it's got the camelback and it's got ice in it so it's usually pretty solid i just like scoop it out with a little spoon and that's what i'll have um while i'm riding and because right, so. you get it immediately yeah and you have access to that energy yeah right yeah. away it's not you don't have to worry about it like um upsetting your stomach or causing discomfort while you're trying to ride which i know that um i have a couple clients who have some concerns around that like you know they're doing uh long activities, mm -hmm. I won't say endurance activities, but they're doing something for a long period of time and, but they, they need some energy, but they don't want to, you know, have a full stomach yeah. of food. Yeah. The coconut oil, oil works awesome. Or you could use straight MCT. I actually just use the coconut oil and you know, you can't, I couldn't mix it in my cold water that I'm bringing with me, obviously. Um, cause it just turns to a solid. Um, so I just keep it in a little Mason jar. So yeah, you gotta put the link to those packets in the show notes because okay, I want definitely. some. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know, we kind of went off there about, uh, oh, cause we kind of went into just fasting times. So yeah, now, now well, you guys know our take on it. <laughs> there you go. And I think that that could tie into that, the next question about determining 
one's daily caloric needs mm. and, and just gauging like on hunger and appetite because that's something that could change also day to day. And, you know, how you feel appetite wise, like, am I hungry? Should I eat? Um, that's going to vary day to day also. Yeah. And it's, and the answer to these questions are really going to be based off your number one goal. And I don't want to, okay, so I've seen people lose fat and gain muscle at the same time. And I know it can be done. I've done it myself, but I still think that everyone needs a priority. You need to have a focus. So when you're going through whatever phase of your training and nutrition, you need to have a number one priority. You can't be like, oh, I want to I wanna do everything all at once. Do you feel the same way, Alex? Like, Yes. Yes, definitely. And like, and that could, I mean, that could come down to whether it's an aesthetic goal or a, a performance goal too. Exactly. They can be counterproductive. Yeah. Just like, just even I've discussed it before on um, podcasts with Kiefer too, like just mountain biking for me in the summer when I'm trying to strength train, it's counterproductive. Um, I can make it work, but if I were to do a lot more mountain biking, it would just totally bite me in the ass. So Let's talk a little bit about calories. So what is the question? It's about, let's see here. It says, um, so how do you determine your caloric needs? And, okay. So what I kind of do with my clients is everything is based off the client statistics and knowing your lean body mass uh, definitely helps. Yes, makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier. So that's where we'd kind of be able to take a number uh, and sort out your protein fat ratios based on that. Of course, it all goes back to the goal. If someone wanted to come to me and say, okay, well, I want to do German volume training and I want to put on a lot of size, well, what I'm going to tell them to eat in terms of calories is going to be completely different than someone that's going to do shockwave, modify it because they're in a calorie deficit and they want to lean out. Right. So, to be a good example of like working with competitors, it's very, very specific at that point. And there will be times when they might be a little bit hungry. And that's okay. And that's okay. That's that is one of the trade offs to wanting to get on stage and get ultra lean is that you are going to be a little bit hungry. And even just the average person, let's say they're overeating significantly and we need to scale back their calories a bit to start getting the fat loss results that they need, they mm -hmm. might experience some hunger there too. And they'll be right, just they're not scared. used to it. Yeah, they've been mm -hmm. overeating and that's why they're stalling. So, I mean, how you determine what that is, the coaches, any nutrition coach has a way of determining what those numbers might be. They don't need to be exact numbers, but they should be in range uh, based on your goals. There should be a range that you should strive for. Like there's nothing I hate more than seeing a male who wants to get big and put on size, but he's eating like 50, 60 grams of protein and training six days a week. You're not going to get to your goal with that macronutrient composition of your diet. So mm -hmm. what you want to do, number one, is you want to make sure that you're calorie and macronutrient composition isn't number one preventing you from reaching your goal and then you can start fine-tuning where it should be at and you mentioned before it might change day to day which it can and it does mm -hmm. um, 
And right, a lot of it's going to be based off of like what activity you did the day before. Like yeah. for me, the day after I do legs, I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. I want to eat everything. But the day after carb night, I have very little appetite. Food is really the last thing on my mind. I almost have to force myself to eat on those days. Yep. So it's going to vary. So as long as calories and macronutrients are in the right range based on your goal, that range is also going to fluctuate day to day a little bit. And, you know, the leaner you're trying to get and if you're trying to do show prep, that's where things get much more precise. And the nitty gritty is, is all laid out. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's just the nature of that beast. Most people don't have to take it to that extent just to look good, feel good and go rock their bikini and be awesome. Right. And then they shouldn't because honestly, it ended up becoming more of a stressor than it is helpful yeah. at all. So you and do that's something. That, mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. That's something that I I talk about in depth with when I consult with women who want to compete. It's really, I mean, just like you said, coming back to the goal and really deciding is this goal appropriate for where we're at right now. And lately, more often than not, I have been talking women out of doing shows because it sounds like a good idea and it sounds like a good goal and something to shoot for in terms of like, you know, the body that they want to have, but with everything else they have going on on in their lives, it's not realistic. And so changing, shifting the priority, you know, to just getting a handle on everything and getting in tune with their bodies and figuring out what's, what's realistic day to day for them, what's going to make them feel the best mm-hmm. is first, the first thing. And so for those women who I do help with competing, they have that part down. And I make sure that they have that part down before we even go that way. Right. Because things are going to get mat- meticulous. And then yeah, their heads might explode. It's not really worth exactly. it at that point, is it? Nope. No. It's and, not. Mm-mm. And you know, what I think most women experience when they start trying to get super lean. I mean, I was at one point, uh, I guess it was like two years ago now, it was probably the leanest I've ever been. I don't want to be that lean again. Like, <laughs> like right. that's the reality of the situation. My performance started to suffer. The first thing that happens to me when I get too lean is my joints hurt. Like when I actually go squat and deadlift heavy, and I'm not saying I'm trying to like, PR, but even just like hitting my regular uh, sets and reps, which would be like, you know, like let's say it's like a three set, uh, three rep max or whatever, my joints would just be super, super sore for like days after that. And I don't like that feeling. That that trade off for me is, well, number one, I think you're going to get yourself in trouble if you keep on going down that path, but it's, right. it's not worth it for me. It's like I rather have a little bit more body fat, be a little bit more shapely and be able to go smash weights. And, you know, when you start playing around with getting super lean, and I know everyone wants to be super lean and chiseled all the time and have a raging six pack, it's like, you know what, you could potentially be miserable. And, yep. you know, you can, you can look amazing, you don't need to be stage ready all the time. I see a lot of people that want to look stage ready all the time. And it's like, I think most people's happy point is somewhere just above that where you can easily maintain it. There's, there's things that start to happen. Like, I don't know. I remember one time when I was super, super lean, I was lying in bed and I felt like my shoulder blades were hurting. And it was because I was so lean. It's just like the friction of my shoulder you blades. You had no padding. I had no padding. 
And I was like, this is mental. Like <laughs> I was just basically experimenting with diet at that point. I wasn't, mm -hmm. I've never done a show or anything like that. Uh, our listeners know that, but I was just manipulating my macronutrients and doing certain things just, you know, to see what I could do with my body composition. And at that point I was like, you know what? I know how I can manipulate it. And at this point I was like, you know, these are probably the things that people start running into when they're doing shows and I'm not doing a show and I look and feel better and perform a hundred times better when I hold a little bit more body fat. So, you know, don't be fooled by like any, I'm not walking around like crazy, crazy lean where I could walk on stage tomorrow and nor do I want to be. Right. Right. And neither do I. Yeah. And neither do I. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's all about that trade off. So, you know, as far and, as. And really what, you know, you're going to be happy with and not what you imagine in your head and this I recently had this conversation with my sister who um, ended up I think she's down 50 pounds from when we first started probably two and a half years ago I finally got her on carbonate and she kept saying like my goal is is she just had a number she didn't have a visual in her head of what she wanted to look like but her number was there the 125 she's like I want to be 125 want to be 125 finally get there and she realizes that you know the number has nothing to do with what she's happy with. So now we're actually working on building and getting some shape because she wants to feel womanly. She mm -hmm. wants to have curves in all the right places. She's like, I don't really care. She's like, I like my stomach to be flat, but I don't need a six pack. Yeah. I just want to be able to like, you know, have my pants sit comfortably and not have a little muffin top. Yeah. And But she's like, I want to have a booty. Yeah. I want to have like womanly curves. And I think that's a totally realistic goal to have. And she's going to – it's just fun to watch her embrace – the body that she's building and like you can see it just in the clothes that she wears it's great yeah, that's amazing and you know what if if someone wants to chase a number like that you know I'm not going to stop them like if in the back of their head that that's what they really want to do and they want to chase a number go through that experience because you know what I think there's an amazing lesson to be learned in hitting that number and realizing that it doesn't matter just like your sister experience where she was like okay well I'm at that number and it's like well it's not exactly all I made it up to be. And, mm -hmm. and that's fine. Like some people might go through that. I, I personally, you know, I can understand wanting to chase that number and it, so be it if that's what someone wants to do. Um, but just brace yourself for, I don't want to say disappointment, but brace yourself that like a number is not going to change the world for you. <laughs> and right. what you were talking about, like when she got down to that number and she wanted to look more womanly, Maybe that's what we'll talk about lastly on this episode, because this is probably one of the bigger issues I run into. And it's not just with female clients, it's with male clients. And this goes like to the, like goes back to when we're first doing the assessment. I think a lot of people, they look at themselves and I, you know, we're all so hard on ourselves, but they always think that they just need to get smaller and smaller. And that that's magically going to create more mu muscle def definition and shape. Whereas when we look at people and ourselves included, sometimes you just have to say, well, I'm going to have to commit to getting bigger and putting on some muscle before I'm ever going to be able to attain that shape. And that's a really hard thing for people to wrap their heads around. Um, but, you know, if you diet down, it doesn't really change your shape very much. It's building muscle and building your body up that's going to create those curves and exactly. I think that's why I'm kind of obsessed with goal setting right now because I, you know, if I have a client in this scenario, the last thing I'm going to do is say, 
say to that person, yeah, cool. We'll just, you know, keep on reducing your calories and, you know, it should all work out because that's not going to be the case. They're just going to look like a smaller deflated version of what they are now. And they're going to be in a more miserable, unhappy place. Their, their metabolism is probably going to be seriously depressed after that too. And, you know, mm. I personally prefer to stop someone right there and say, I know you want to have this look or whatever, but we're not going to get it by, I use the term dieting as in terms of like calorie reduction and fat loss. You have, you know, we have to not diet. We have to put on size, increase our metabolism, start adding some shape to our body. And then we can tinker with body fat, but exactly. I rather just stop the vicious cycle there. (laughs) It's a hard one to stop. So do you know how long I've been aiming for a caloric surplus? And this is just to give people some idea that, you know, when you commit to putting on size, it doesn't mean committing, putting on size for four weeks. I've been consistently increasing my, like not consistently increasing my calories, but trying to make sure I'm just slightly above calorie maintenance um, for over a year now, for over a full year. Mm-hmm. Of, and that's a full year of commitment. I'm doing that. It's not like I've been like, oh, I've been going at this for six weeks and now I'm going to diet for another six weeks and then I'm going to go at this for six weeks. Like, no, it's been a full year of making sure I'm never really under eating at all. Uh, in fact, I'm kind of overeating. And there's been times where I have to tinker with things like my macronutrients and maybe like how I have my carb backloads and my carb nights. But it's been a full commitment of just embracing that and being like, yes, I'm doing this for this long. It's not, oh, I'm going to put my feet in the water and all oh, they're getting, you know, it's a little cold, so I'm just going to jump out. It's, it's really hard to commit to that. And I understand that for a lot of people, but it's, you just have to go with it. And it can't be like four weeks on, six weeks off and back and forth. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I did that for, with the gymnastics training. Yeah, knowing that it was something that I I really wanted to take it to the next level, see how far I could go, and I committed to a year. I was like, I'll give it a year of just steady work, consistency, see what happens, be able to play with a lot of different variables during that time, but commit to that time. And that's also something I try to communicate to the females who want to compete also. It's like, don't email me and say I want to do a show in eight weeks. Mm. Having not done any kind of, you know, <laughs> dieting or training before that, it's yeah. not going to happen. If you want to do that, you got to find somebody else to help you because I'm not going to do it. Yeah, no, and that's you know, we we need to be firm with people like that because the last thing you want someone to do, you don't want a client to go chasing their tail. You don't want to be that next person to just sends them chasing their tail and then they're right back where they started. It's like we want to break that cycle and put people on the right path and it means a longer term commitment to certain things. And it is hard to get in that frame of mind. Um, but I mean, really, if you want but, things but in to the change, long run, yeah, you got to change right. if you want things but, to change. Exactly. And in the long run, what's a year out of your life for however many years you've been, you know, struggling yeah. or unhappy? Yeah, for sure. One year, it's really not that long. And it's going to go by way faster than you think. Yeah, and, it's and like, as long as you relax about it and you're not stressing over it, the time will pass. Yeah, and it's exactly the time will pass, and you learn so much about. I think it's so much of a relief of of what you can get away with too. Like, <laughs> yes, um, that's always know, fun. <laughs> yeah, and you got to like just really be patient with that. And 
And I said we were going to end up on on this, but maybe I'm going to push this into another topic, which is it ties into your, you know, how you were manipulating some small carb backloads and carb shock when you were doing your gymnastics training. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, we get this question all the time, which is how much carbs do you need? Or how much carbs should I have and when? Right, right. Well, so... <laughs> That's another loaded question. Just going back to the cat, like to the first thing we talked about, which you know, should I take caffeine and when and how? Just to give you an example, like I have carb backloads. Well, I train four times a week. I have one carb night, and then my carb backloads throughout the week are really determined by my training volume, how I feel, and how I look. So that varies all the time. And to give you an example, mm-hmm. how. Like, it doesn't even stay the same week to week. Like, a good example would be this weekend. I was spending some time with my family at the cottage. I had an opportunity to go out to the gym. Because I was spending family time, you know, I went to the gym when my nephew was napping. I didn't want to spend a full hour at the gym. I wanted to get back as soon as possible and spend time with everyone. So I went in, and all I did was, like, my big lift for my 531 set. I didn't do any accessory work. I just did heavy squats. So... That kind of workout and how I just trained it, or sorry, I just changed it that day based on those totally random circumstances, I didn't have a car backload after that workout. It just, it wasn't justified. I just, there wasn't enough volume. I did basically one lift and left. So these are all the things that come into play. And these are the things that you have to learn to manipulate yourself. So had I gone in that day and done like my actual full out training program, I would have probably had a carb backload, but I didn't that day, and that's fine. I didn't need it. That might mean that if I waited a couple of days before I had my next training session, I might need to have a little carb backload the night before, but it really changes just based on little things like that. So you really got to get out of the, you know, the fact that there's like some kind of prescription that's precise. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that actually happened to me last week where my training has actually been probably the least consistent it's been. So I've been sticking to just more of a a carb night schedule with a backload midweek if I need it, Mm -hmm. or mini carb night. And last week, I had everything planned out, but then I got invited to go wakeboarding for the first time in like three years, which was (laughs) awesome. But I went into it like, oh, I'm just going to have fun and it's going to be, you know, a casual thing. And I I had a blast and I just wanted to keep going and keep going. And I was up for a long time. I tried doing some cool stuff. Mm -hmm. The next two days, I was toast. Yeah. Like complete. I was sore all over. I was hungry. And I realized two days later, I was like, I'm going to need carbs big time. Yeah. To go into your training session. Right. Yeah. There's no way I would have been able to make it through the rest of the week without them. Yeah. And that's and yet, fine. that was not on the schedule. I just had a. I woke up and I was like, okay, tonight's the night. It's mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's just the way you got to go about it because life is just random and it happens like that. And you can't let an awesome opportunity like getting to go wakeboarding derail you and stress you out because in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's not going to make or break you. Like, I mean, sure, maybe if you're getting on stage, you wouldn't want to go wakeboarding the same week. Right. <laughs> and do something totally random like that. But like we said, these are totally different circumstances. And we're trying to, you know, for most people, what we're working on is like a sustainable lifestyle with carb night and carb backloading. And part of that is that life is just always just happening. And you just got to be able to be flexible with your nutrition. Now, and not uh, worry about it. Yeah, not worry about it. And 
you know, we can get into this on another Q&A. Like there are things when you are trying to diet down that could potentially derail you, which, you know, things like training too much, those might be setting off oh, weird yeah. hunger signals and stuff like that. So, you know, that's no, another whole can of worms and, and we can get into that on another episode. But, um, you know, I just really hope that this has helped some people understand why we can't always give such precise answers to things that seem like they should have a simple answer. <laughs> right. Um, it never does. No, no, ne- it never does. And, and it doesn't mean that it has to be a complicated scenario. It just means that you kind of just have to lighten up a little bit and realize that it's, it's not going to be the end of the world. And sometimes the best thing you can possibly do is experience it for yourself and see what the outcome is. Um, exactly. You might, yeah, you might, you know, it might not make any difference in the grand scheme of things. You might notice a significant difference for some reason, and then you have valuable information to be like, that does or doesn't work for me. Um, and you, exactly. you know, and that also goes to say that that doesn't or does work for you at this point in time, two years from now, <laughs> making some, you it's know, that true. same adjustment might actually do you a world of good, whereas right now it's doing you a world of pain. So <laughs> you That's always true. have to be open to that um, aspect too, is that you're, you're always evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like that. years ago, if I ate as much carbs as I do now, it probably would have stalled me out big time if I was like trying to lose weight. Now it seems like the more carbs I eat, the leaner I get. It's still controlled. I'm not saying I like get up in the morning and eat carbs. It's right. still in a carb backloading scenario. But you know, the same kind of nutrition years ago would have totally stalled me out. Or if I was trying to put on muscle, I probably would have been gaining quite a bit of fat. So you know, I had to just kind of push myself to be like, you know what, you need to try this again because your body is different now, and your training's different too. So yeah. So you guys just got to learn to roll with it and experiment and see what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you want to add to that, Alex? Yeah. Have fun. Just really? Have fun with it. As soon as you stop having fun, it's something's not right. Something needs to, to give. Exactly. And let exactly. that be a big stop indicator. It. Unless you're just one of those people who just never had fun in your life, then maybe <laughs> then I don't know what to say about that. But but really, as soon as it stops being fun and and something that you're enjoying experimenting with, then you gotta just really sit back and figure out what it is you're trying to achieve and what it's worth to you. Exactly. I think that's a good note to end on. All right, let's end it there. We'll do another one of these mini Q&As, and uh, we'll we'll try to give you guys a head up through the Body IO page if we're going to do something like this, and you guys can ask some questions, and we can decide uh, what we're going to tackle. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IO FM, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sounds good. See you later. You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengel. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.